Pray with me this morning. Father, we are so grateful. How are we? We're grateful, Lord. Our hearts are full of gratitude. Our hearts are just full. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will speak to us from your word. We pray the words we hear would help to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ himself. If he was grateful, Lord, we should be grateful. And Father, I pray that you will guide us as we open your word, that like those disciples on the road to Emmaus, Lord, you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see Jesus, our minds to understand. Lord, we pray that the risen Christ would walk among us today as we listen to his word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So do you have a list? I'm curious because um, I've had friends who say to me sometimes, yeah, you're on my list. And that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, there's some lists that you don't want to be on, but then there are lists that you might want to be on. And you may know this, but in the Bible, there are a number of lists. Usually we don't read them aloud, and honestly, I don't think I've ever seen one of these lists on a coffee cup or a plaque in somebody's living room. And usually the lists are just things when you're reading through the Bible in a year, and by the way, we're going to do that again next year. We've got a new plan. I hope you plan to join us reading through the scriptures in one year. You end up reading three or four chapters, but when you read through this part, am I the only one here who kind of moves quickly through the lists? Yeah, it's a list. It's just a list. It's just a list of names. It's like reading through a phone book, right? You're just, you're just reading a list. But I remembered this song that I sang when I was a kid. Some of you remember this song, and it was, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be, I'll be there. In other words, the image was when they call the roll like they used to do in school. I bet they're not doing that. School teachers, are we calling roll anymore? I don't know. Uh, do you? Okay, Mark. So I do sometimes at HBU. I'm teaching a class in homiletics right now. But I'll tell you one thing I tell them in my homiletics classes, be careful with the lists. You know, if you're preaching a list, it's a little bit, you know, I mean, people are tired and they stayed up late the night before and you start reading a list and who knows. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. But what if they called the roll down here? Can you imagine calling roll in church? Um, the last time I think my name was called roll, I think I was summoned to jury duty. That's always an interesting experience. And you get in the room and they call out your name, but sometimes they can't pronounce your name. And one guy next to me says, hey, if he can't pronounce my name, I don't see why I have to serve. He was probably looking for a way out, but I guess he's got a point in a way. Well, it'd be a difficult time to call the roll. I mean, for some time now, it hasn't been easy for, for some, some people very careful about their health, other different reasons. Um, we're careful about just uh, calling the roll because, because we don't know well, the Apostle Paul calls the role in the church at Rome. And if we read it closely, there's some lessons that we might learn about our lives. Would you open your Bibles with me? At great risk, I'm going to read this list. Romans 16, verses 1 to 16. Stand with me as the Lord blesses the reading of his word. Let's hear the word of the Lord today. Paul, think of all the things he's written to the Romans to this point. Think about all the things he said. Some of our favorite verses, lots of coffee cup verses, lots of plaque verses. 
Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Um, Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Uh, Nothing in all creation will ever separate us from the love of God. And he comes to chapter 16, verse 1, and he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. She's a deacon of the church in Kincrya. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she's been a benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity in Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who's worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who's been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. You know, the Apostle Paul writes the names of a number of people and it really causes the scholars who study the Bible to sort of scratch their heads like, why does he do that? Why does Paul send longer lists of names to churches that he's never been to? You would think, well, he was in Ephesus for three years. Uh, He was in Corinth for a year and a half. You'd think there'd be long lists of names. But to those churches, he doesn't usually write a long list of names. But to this one, he does. And so much so that some of the scholars are like, I don't think this originally went to the Romans. I think this may have gone to Ephesus where he knew a lot more people. But there's no evidence when we go back to the early manuscripts that this part of Romans was ever a separate part. It was always part of the main part of the letter to the Romans. And it's as if... Paul is saying, I just want to remember the faces of the people who are going to be the first ones to read, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, or um, in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, or do you despise the riches of his kindness, grace, and mercy, not knowing that God's kindness leads us to repentance, or Romans 3, 23 uh, where he, he says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace that comes through Christ Jesus. 
Who can forget Romans chapter 5 where, where he, he wrote to them in this letter. This is the first group of people to ever hear Paul's words. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, not when we got our act together, but while we were still sinners, he died for us in Romans 6.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And when he cries out for his fellow countrymen in chapter 9 and chapter 11, when he says, all Israel will be saved, all Israel will be saved. And in chapter at the end of chapter 11, when he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. These are the people who heard these words for the first time when he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. When he says, none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for Christ. If we die, we die for Christ. So whether we live or die, we belong to Christ Jesus. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. And in chapter 15, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. And after all that, Paul says, by the way, I'm sending this letter with Phoebe. And you don't know Phoebe, but you need to know Phoebe. Because Phoebe in that church in Kincrya, she's one of the leaders. She's a lead servant. She, she kicks up dust waiting on tables. She works hard. And she's been a benefactor, Paul says, to a lot of people, including me. She's a successful businesswoman. She's traveling to Rome. And he sends the letter to the Romans with Phoebe. And apparently she delivered it right on God's standard time. And then he starts remembering the people who were there. Later we learn there's a guy named Tertius who's the secretary who's writing down the letter to the Romans. And Paul says, Tertius sends you his greetings. He's the one who's writing this down. But you can imagine Paul kind of closing his eyes and thinking, who's in that church? And he envisions actually five different houses, at least five different houses where there are churches. Priscilla and Aquila have got a, a church in their house. What you can't help but notice in this list when you read it carefully, is that there are the names of slaves and free people on this list. Some names in the ancient world were given. Urbanus, frequently a name given to slaves in Rome. There were slaves and free people, and apparently they didn't have separate churches. They went to church together. There are nine ladies in the list of 26. That's unusual in the ancient world. What's even more unusual is he mentions Priscilla before he mentions Aquila. I wonder why. I wonder what that means. I, I wonder when he identifies these women as those who have worked hard in the, in the Lord. And here's the interesting thing. So you've got slaves and free. You've got male and female. You've got Jews. He says, some of my fellow Jews. And then there are clearly some Gentiles in the church. And the thing is, again and again, he says, they're in Christ. They're in the Lord. The word he uses to describe them all is agapetos, beloved. He loves these people and they are all beloved in the Lord and they love each other. And all of this makes me think, as I think about church at Tallowood in these days, 
that relationships with each other ought to be one of our highest priorities. That maybe the unity of being together in community is more important than anything else we think about church in these days. That a divided world desperately needs a united church. Think about Think about our country, think about our world right now. They can't look to a lot of people to discover unity, but if they could see there is a group of people who despite differences and distinctiveness with all of our diversity can come together in unity as we've heard in our time of Thanksgiving this morning. God has brought us from so many places together to this place and our unity is found in Jesus Christ. And if we had a sort of a list of values in our church, I I think right behind loving God would be loving all of our neighbors as we love ourselves. Relationships are so important. We realize it sometimes when we're away for a while, don't we? Some of us have been away for a while. I know some of our college students are home and I'm always, I love this this Sunday and next Sunday because I get to see our college students. They've come back and I always love that I ran into some earlier today. Who do you give thanks for? What should we give thanks for? In answer to the Coco Melon question, what are you thankful for? And Paul would say, I'm thankful for hospitality. He must have remembered Priscilla and Aquila opening up their home to him in Corinth. Maybe it was a tent. Maybe it was the nicest tent around because they were tent makers. And he made tents with them and they gave him hospitality. And every time we read about Priscilla and Aquila, they have a church in their house because At no place in the scripture do you ever find the word church, ecclesia, describing a building. It's always about the people who meet in the building, which would prompt me to say, you could take the same group of people and be in a different building, and we would still be the church. But we talk about going to church. In the New Testament, you get the sense that they believed they belonged, that there was a group of people to whom they belonged, just like you belong to a family. I didn't choose to belong to my family. My little grandson, who's supposed to be born later this week, Uh, Thomas Graham Brooks, he didn't choose the family he's coming into, but the minute he gets here, he's got got uncles and aunts up there, he's got two sets of grandparents, he's got his mom and dad, and we all just can't wait to meet him. Why? Because we already know, we've never seen him, but we love him, and he belongs to us. And this is the way it is in the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul got by, to quote an old song from the 70s, with a little help from his friends. So he had friends like Priscilla and Aquila and the church and their house. And um, he remembers uh, Phoebe, who was a benefactor to him, Priscilla and Aquila. Eponidas, who was his first convert. I was thinking, who was the first person I ever baptized? His name was Jerry Smith. He was 14 years old. He was six foot seven and weighed 300 pounds. And you can forgive him for this. He didn't believe that if he went under the water, I could get him back out of the water. I weighed a buck 45, you know, 145 pounds. There was no way in his mind. I got his head out. He didn't trust me. He grabbed the side of the baptistry. A wave of water baptized the choir. I mean, there was a multiple baptism going on that day. And I remember Jerry, I'll never forget Jerry Smith because he was the first person. And Tina Buckner and Christy Culverhouse at my second church, they were... They were 13 years old. This is a true story, but one of the leaders in the church, he said, it's good to reach children, but he said, we've got to reach adults around here as though reaching them. And I said, hey, they have more of their life to serve the Lord. So it's good to reach the young people as well. And I'm still in touch with Christy. I I did the funeral for 
uh, her cousin Tina and I did the funeral for uh, Tina's grandmother not long ago in Waco. They sometimes still call me and ask me to help their family and I'm always glad to because the grandmother, the matriarch, Freddie Green, was such a good friend and loved the Lord so beautifully. Have you heard Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem? He says, flowers are lovely and love is flower-like but friendship is a sheltering tree. Sometimes you need shelter. When the winds blow really hard, when the floods rise, you need a shelter. So when Paul says in Romans 16, 13, Rufus and his mother, who was also a mother to me, he doesn't even tell us Rufus's mom's name. What's interesting is the other Rufus we know about, maybe the same Rufus, probably the same Rufus. Yeah, he's mentioned in the, in the Gospel of Mark. And his dad was a guy named Simon, who was from Cyrene who carried the crossbeam of Jesus' cross for him. And when Mark writes his gospel, we believe he wrote it either in Rome or to Rome, what he says is, you know this Simon, he was Alexander and Rufus's dad. As if the people in the church would know, oh, that, that was Rufus's dad. So if that's true, then Simon of Cyrene's wife was not only a mom to Rufus and Alexander, but to the Apostle Paul, you can see him getting up early. He's going to you know, take a ship to another city. And, and she says, I made you breakfast. And he says, I don't have time to eat breakfast. I got to get on the ship. I don't care if you are an apostle. Eat your breakfast. She's a mom. And mom's mom. And I think about the moms in our church and Mark when I left home as a teenager to become a pastor. And how many times she cooked for me and watched over me and Florine Hudson and I've got quite a list. If I, sometimes I sit down and I just write the list of these people who have blessed my life. Wendell Berry was right when he said to be healthy is literally to be whole. And our sense of wholeness is not just completeness in ourselves, but it's also the sense of belonging to others and to our place. To believe that the community in its fullest sense is a place and all its creatures The smallest unit of health is this community. In other words, to speak of an isolated individual as healthy, that would be a contradiction in terms. We can't be healthy alone. We need community. As John Donne wrote, no man is an island entire of itself. We're not good by ourselves. We need to be in community. And church is that community where we love and are loved, where we forgive and are forgiven, where we share in the Lord's table and We give thanks for hospitality, that all of us are welcome in the Lord's house today. There's joy. You love that song? There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Why? Because we're together in this place. That's the list. It's not just a list, is it? He gives thanks for industry. He says four times to four different ladies. They worked really, really hard hard in the Lord. I think of a lady in our church, Melanie will remember this lady named Bert, who was in our second church, and they built a parsonage for Melanie and me to live in, which was a very nice thing to do. Uh, We were living in a 400 square foot apartment, you know, a college apartment, and then suddenly we've got a three bedroom brick home that they let us live in while we were there. And Bert, 79 years old, insisted in getting on the roof to lay the shingles. 79 years old. Back then I thought that was old. I don't think that's that old now, but, but back then I thought that's, that's pretty old to be up on the roof. Maybe it is, but she worked so hard. Anytime we had anything to do that involved physical work, Bert was always there. And Paul mentions in, 
in verse six, Mary who worked very hard. He only says that about the women. And I'll just say, after pastoring four churches for 40 years, I think I know what he means. I'd hate to think where my churches would have been without the women who worked very, very hard, who often gave great leadership in times when we needed direction. Tryphena, Tryphosa, I bet they were twins. Don't you think they were twins? Our niece's daughters, so I guess there are great nieces who came and visited with us this weekend, McKinley and Addison Grace, uh, they're twins. And um, I pretty quickly looked them in the eye and said, I gotta figure out who you are, so I'm calling you by the right name all weekend. I wonder if Paul was looking like, Tryphena, did she have a mole? I'm trying to remember, Tryphosa, which one was which? Persis, these people worked hard in the Lord. Am I crazy to think that the next years for us as a congregation are gonna require hard work. I mean, what this means is we're not just spectators. We're certainly not just consumers. We're contributors. The the way this church got here was because people worked really hard. I think for us to get where we're supposed to go, we're gonna have to work really hard. And you might say with Jerome K. Jerome, this is not our Jerome, but another Jerome. I love work, it fascinates me. I can sit and watch it all day, but work, needs to be entered into. Bud Wilkinson, that great coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, described football this way. He said, it's 100 people who desperately need rest being watched by 100,000 people who desperately need exercise. (laughs) Well, church can be like that. You know, we can just watch all day. Isn't that great? They're just running around. Those church people, they work hard. No, we need you. You know, if, if you're wondering, hey, you know, Put on some work gloves and join us in this. This is the work. He's grateful for hospitality and for industry. Also for fidelity. I never noticed this till this week, Apelles. I wish in heaven we'll just have to talk with Apelles and say, what was that about? But he says, Apelles who is proven in the Lord or whose fidelity has stood the test. He was faithful. It sounds like Apelles went through a really hard time and he stayed close to the Lord. He He kept the faith in a difficult time. And in a way, the last year and a half have been one of those times for us. We've had a chance to to keep the faith, to be strong together in the Lord. And the last thing, we give thanks for unity. And in verse 17, he says, there are these centrifugal forces that are gonna try to pull the church apart. But here are these five house churches, and he mentions them by name, the one Priscilla and Aquila's house. I mentioned the one in Narcissus's house. I guess that was the narcissistic Baptist church, and then Asyncritus. Maybe they had trouble with time. And then Philologus's church. It means one who loves the word. Is that a pseudonym? Uh, like Theophilus in the book of Luke and Acts, one who loves God. Is this a church, a group of people who really love the word? I know it's just a list. But when I was a boy, my dad moved our family to Washington, D.C., and we saw all the sites you would expect to see, the Smithsonian Institute and all of that. My dad fought in the Vietnam War, and one day he took us to the Vietnam War Memorial, the one that has all the names written on it, you know, kind of etched in the marble, I don't think I was prepared. I was a 12-year-old, and I'm watching these people, and they're looking at all these names. And I don't know these people. To me, just like Romans 16, it's just a list, but not to my dad, because some of the people on that memorial were on his base at Udorn in Thailand, and he saw them lose their lives. And so he, he didn't say a word. He was quiet. There were people there, I remember this, who were just weeping 
looking at a list. <laughs> I was a 12-year-old. I'm like, what's that about? Others were etching the letters with their finger, remembering somebody. One lady kissed the memorial, kissed the name, because it was all she had left of somebody she loved. I mean, I guess you can call Romans 16 a list if you want to. There's got to be a better word for it, don't you think? Here's my thought. Maybe on the inside of that worship guide, that blank sheet on that one side that you probably haven't completely filled up with notes yet, you might just, like Paul's words to the Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. And just write down a name. You can start your own list today. You write down a name, write down another name, another one, and hold on to that list. Someday you're going to move. If you forget your furniture, don't forget the list. Take the list with you. And when you die someday, make sure you got your list. I know, I know, you're going to get to heaven to the gate and Peter's going to be there as we imagine it and he's going to say, hey, you brought nothing into this world, you can take nothing out of this world. What are you carrying with you? And you say, well, I've got this list. He says, let me see your list. And he looks at it and he goes, hey, I know these people. In fact, on my way to the gate today, there was a group of them back there. They were making a sign that they're going to hang over the road that says, welcome home. Maybe it's not a list. Some places they call this a church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being a part of your family, that we belong to each other. And I pray, Lord, you will bless this church and you will make us a blessing to our city. This will be a place, Lord, where there is great hospitality. We welcome people without exception. I pray, Lord, it will be a place where we work hard together, where we stay true to the truth of your word because there's no unity without truth. A place where we commit ourselves, Lord, to be one in Christ because in Christ there is no east or west, no male or female, no slave or free, no Jew or Gentile, for we are one in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray and sing, amen.